Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Black Belt or Bust. I'm Keely. And I'm Misty. You'd think this far in they'd be like, oh, we know those bitches. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to record this episode that we're doing today because I've had some reflections. I've had a good week of training and I know that can be very subjective based off of what our goals are for jujitsu and what a good week of training means. Does that mean that you dominated everybody? Does that mean you were actually able to reach, you know, small goals, get more confident, whatever that is, that can be very subjective. For me, I had a good week of training as far as pushing myself and working with people who can push me, which I think is very important, which leads me to the topic of ego. And... This is this word gets used a lot in jujitsu, and it's kind of annoying how much people talk about ego and like don't have ego. You know, ego doesn't belong in jujitsu, but we all have a lot of ego in jujitsu, and even a little bit is good as far as wanting to push it's, yourself and like it's yeah. You know, especially for competitors, you toe the line between being humble. No, well, okay, I say it's you toe the line between confident and cockiness. Yeah. And ego encompasses both, in a way. Yeah. Well, and it's like, when you have ego, let's say you're rolling with a white belt and you're a blue belt. And that white belt taps you, or that white belt dominated you. And you get really frustrated because the belt around your waist makes you think that you have to dominate or beat quote unquote everybody below that belt right it makes you feel like at a certain rank you should be able to handle tap whatever you want you know manhandle in a way technically manhandle not just like throw them around yeah anyone below you yes and that's not that's not the case and another aspect of that is also trying to tap people who are higher than you if I'm a blue belt, let's say we're like all together, yeah, yeah, I'm like, I just need to, you know, beat this purple belt or this brown belt. Black belt's a different realm. We're not even going to get into that. Well, that are, <laughs> and it's also one of those, like, if you do succeed, mm-hmm. this is where, you know, again, check your ego because some people, like, they won't shut the fuck up being like, yeah. I tapped so-and-so. Yeah. And it's like, they probably let it happen. Either that or maybe they were having a bad day. There are days where I feel like a limp noodle and I just showed up and I needed to move and a white belt will tap me over and over again. doesn't mean that you're better than me. It means you're having a better day than me sometimes. And we've had two conversations about this before where it's like, one, the biggest thing is going to be normalized tapping Mm -hmm. because so many people feel like, oh, I tapped today, I lost. And that's not the case where it's like, like, why did you tap today? You know, were they getting you in the same things? Was it somebody upper rank than you? Was it somebody lower rank? Like, why does the tap bother you? Yeah. If it was, like, a technically good submission, I'm not mad about it. No. You know, and some people, like, I think it was, like, for example, when we had that pedagogy submission fighting camp, there were a couple roles where it's, like, I was getting tapped every five seconds when we were going with Couch and then Alejandro. It was just, like, every five seconds I was getting Mm -hmm. tapped. But I had the biggest smile on my face, and I was, like, all right, it's over. We reset. Yeah. I get tapped again. All right, let's keep rolling. Like some people yeah. see the tap as like the end all be all like, oh, and then they don't want to roll anymore. Yeah. When really it's you tap, reset, go. Yeah. Tap, reset, go. Yeah. And I'm 
in my early 30s. It doesn't mean I'm old. I don't feel old. I don't think this is an old age, but some days I'm going to be more tired. My joints are going to hurt a little mm -hmm. bit more. I'm going to pull muscles more easily. I'm more likely to get injured. Stuff like that. And when I'm rolling with people who are younger than me, stronger than me, and sometimes even have better technique, I am so much more aware of that. So when we're rolling and they tap me, they're catching me when I'm off. And I've experienced that this week. So Tuesday, I rolled with two females. We are roughly within the same weight of each other. One is a, I want to say upper white belt. She's got a lot of experience. She's got some stripes on her belt. She's, you know, on top of, you know, her energy levels are high because she's 17 years old. And she's good. And then the other one, she's been doing this for a while. She's also very young. And she's a blue belt. She's been doing this a little bit longer than me. She's also really good. And when I trained with them, it was in competition training. And... I was so happy being in the, the training environment with them because I didn't care if they swept me, I didn't care if they passed me, I didn't care if they tapped me. Because what I was doing was training with women who are my size, who have a really good skill level, and they were able to push me. Because I'm coming off of a big tournament loss, I really want to correct everything I did wrong. Mm -hmm. One In one tournament, it was my energy, I couldn't push myself while the other person was fighting and taking advantage of my mistakes. The second one was small technical errors that I couldn't figure out. Mm -hmm. I was able to find those within this training. And the white belt within our last roll, so we had been training for two hours. And within our last roll, she was able to tap me four times with the same arm bar. Mm -hmm. And I was happy and I felt good, one, because, you know, so many endorphins, we we're doing a lot of cardio, right? So obviously jujitsu makes us happy, you know? But what was so good about that was she caught me when I was feeling, you know, my energy was low. I had felt worn out. It felt like a competition roll. And she did everything right. She caught me with that armbar four times because she could. And I realized, one, how do I not get caught in this armbar again? Two... What can I do to either find better technique that will keep mm -hmm. me um, going within the game or catch my breath or what positions can I kind of hold off? So I took those lessons. Then today we had kids competition training class. I showed up at 9 a.m. to run with those kids in the cold. And I don't and you like don't do to, cold. I don't, you don't do cold, cold and I don't do I, – I can't even say that I don't do running because – I you do running run. when you like, like when yes. you choose to run. <laughs> when, when you were told to run, it's not good. No. So I was running with the kids and my, I was tired. I hadn't had really had my coffee. I hydrated a little bit prior to that run, but I pushed myself. I wanted to set a good example for the kids too. That was a big part of it was these kids are watching me. So I need to be there to push them and help them a little bit. So I ran at a slower pace. I was with the little stragglers that <laughs> came up with the big kids. Let's just say that. But we went back inside. We got a little bit of water, cooled down from our run, put our geese on, and we started rolling. So I rolled with the bigger kids mm -hmm. to push them. I was not there to say, hey, I'm rolling with 
a kid who is a much lower rank than me, has much lower experience. For me, this was about the, the kids who were competing. Right. For me, what I really wanted to achieve within those roles was like, can I get certain grips to make this pass work? Can I play mm-hmm. around with this pass? Can I play around with my technique? Well, that, and then it's also feeling what kind of competitor are they, especially for some of like the teens and kids that mm-hmm. are competition heavy. Their confidence is the most important part of their game. To be completely honest, if they don't think they can do it, they're going to clam up, they're going to shut down, they're going to get scared, they're going to get intimidated. So for them especially, like helping with the kids' class, what, two weeks ago now? Yeah. Rolling with one of the girls, it wasn't anything other than, I want you to be confident in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So that's a like... Not really like giving up, but allowing them to get into those dominant positions, giving them the opportunity to do a submission because, you know, in normal roles, they might not have the chance. So if they don't do it often when they're training, Mm -hmm. what the hell makes you think as a coach that they're going to be able to execute it in a competition if they don't think they can? Yeah. So part of it is also balancing the technique, making them have good technique and do things technically and allowing them to gain that confidence for them to compete at that level. Yeah. You know, because if they've never submitted somebody their size before or bigger, when they get in competition, they may not think they can and they've already lost the battle. Yeah. So uh, some, yeah. yeah. So some of it is just like, all right, roll with somebody who is an upper rank so that they can get that submission because now all of a sudden their confidence is up there. Like you mm-hmm. want to keep them humbled, but if somebody doesn't have a lot of that confidence, yeah. you want to you want to kind of edge them on a little bit to make sure, hey, like guess what? You just submitted a purple belt. Like yeah. I think it was one time I was working with Anna and she was terrified. Mm-hmm. And um, she's what a yellow belt, yellow white belt, gray white belt, gray white belt. But she was terrified of working with me. And, like, I walked her through some of the passes, gave her a little bit of resistance, and I was like, why aren't you armbarring me? My arm's stuck out here, and she finally went for it. And at the end of it, I was like, guess what? You just submitted a purple belt. Mm-hmm. And she was very much bashful, like, oh, my God, like, this is terrifying. <laughs> and then, like, another one where it was like I got her into a mount position, mm-hmm. and I was like, all right, how many points did you just get? And it was like right after we finished, she was upset. And she's like, I still didn't get enough. Yeah. And I was like, but you ended in a dominant position. Mm-hmm. That's good. I was like, yeah. even if you lost on points, you were dominant in the end. That's good. You kept fighting. Yeah. Well, I think there's a... There can be a symbiotic relationship between the the kids' class and the adult class, and the adults in the adult class and the kids' class. Symbiotic or reciprocal... Whatever I th- I know there are two di- two different words with two different meanings but similar like relationships. So I was rolling with a gray belt today and he's stronger and he's bigger than me. He's about thirteen, but he triangled me twice today. And when I he got he triangled me, you know, I told him good job. I was mm-hmm. like that was good. I'm like you actually you know, submitted me and. I still didn't feel the the ego and like mm-hmm. I wasn't like this thirteen year old kid gray belt submitted me and I'm a blue belt, you know, and I'm older. I didn't feel any sort of ego issues with that, and I think it's really important that adults start training with the kids 
because it will help with their ego but also boost the confidence of the kids in the kids' class. Because the kids are already going to have some sort of ego, which I think is very natural for kids to want to do good, mm -hmm. and they want to be confident. I don't think it's so much of, I have to prove that I'm the best. I think it's so much more of confidence building for children, where with adults we have this experience from life where we do have a lot of ego. Mm -hmm. So we can really learn from each other by training with each other. And when I had those moments working with the kids today, what I also realized was, hey, I can be here to push these kids to do better. They're also going to help me with my technique by focusing on my grips, making sure I can actually work some passes and my guard work. And I can be so much focused on that because even though I have similar strength levels with the kids in there, I still don't use my strength with them. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't put my weight on them. I really just use my technique. Well, that, and then especially for some of, like, the new students, that once they're no longer spazzy to the point where they're going to hurt somebody, mm -hmm. right? Because, you know, don't just trust somebody new to roll with kids because you yeah. don't want them to get hurt. Like, no. we're protective of these babies. Yeah. I'm not even a huge fan of tiny humans. I'm a... I am protective of them in a yeah. sense that, like, if you roll with an adult in your dick, you don't, you yeah. shouldn't be around kids. Yeah. Once you've finally gotten some body awareness, if you honestly want to know whether you are technical or whether you rely on all of your strength and weight, roll with, like, a younger teen mm -hmm. or a teen, and you have to take all of your weight out of it. Yeah. Can you actually control or do you throw yourself around? Yeah. So, you ha but, and you, but here's the thing, you have to be aware you have to make sure that you don't, even if they're getting you and stuff and you're getting frustrated, don't you dare do anything to those kids. Yeah. I've seen a grown-ass woman throw a fit and slam a 12-year-old. Yeah. It's not okay. No. No. And those kids aren't there to boost your ego either. They're not there for you to just manhandle and beat no. down. They're not. No. But your training partners aren't either. I just want to say I just want to say that. No, yeah, yeah, we need to say that too, but with the kids, it's not an opportunity even for you to go in and say, "Oh, I'm going to tap these kids. I'm going to get my uh, ego boost out of this." What you can do is you can focus on some of your greatest weaknesses. Like if I'm rolling with a teenager and I allow them to pass my guard and get me in side control, can I can I get out of their side control and get my guard back? That's a really good place to start. Letting them get a dominant position on you, even mount. And then submissions, you know, find a like your your greatest weak point and go into to a kids class, find kids. I know with some adults there are adults that are a lot bigger than the kids and there are some adults that are very much <laughs> close in size to the kids. And this is a really good opportunity to strengthen your weaknesses and get better while also supporting your kids program and your kids who are trying to compete, develop confidence in a skill, you know, in a skill set. Because martial arts for kids is so good. The the stuff that I've seen or the growth from these kids because of martial arts that has happened has been so beautiful and has been so great. So I would like to talk more about this with some of our kids, uh, kids coaches, um, because they're seeing some of these things firsthand. We can have some stories that I actually want to ask about to see if we can talk about those on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, I think 
it's just really important because it's not just like it's not just self-defense and skill development but these kids are they're becoming part of a community they are experiencing growth and confidence you know school can be such a terrible place um depending on the home environment that sometimes that's not great either and they have a place where they can come and build really good relationships with people and i think the adults can be a big part of that and i think they need to become a part of that well and especially whenever like some of the kids that are in it some of them can start because their parents wanted to put them in something some of them can start because the parents have been like hey they've been bullied in the past and by having a support system or other role models for them not just the coaches but other adults in the classes when things happen, they don't always want to go to a teacher. They don't always want to go to a parent. But sometimes they go to another adult that they mm-hmm. feel that they can. Yeah. And that's not to be insulting to parents at all. It's just sometimes they feel like there's going to be less judgment going to this adult. And maybe it's not as big of a deal. It's and, but like, but they, they can help your child. It's like with... Because I... I don't have kids myself, but I have a lot of siblings and, you know, I've been around kids. But sometimes there are things we want to talk to our parents about we're not so sure. So sometimes we actually go to an aunt or an uncle to get Mm -hmm. advice. It's the same thing where, you know, a coach figure is a very, very important person. Mm -hmm. Just as much as like, well, a coach is like a teacher, but you know, a classroom teacher and then a parent where, you know, they have so many different role models and people they can look up to and ask advice. And it's, I think it's just super important. And I, that ego aspect of it or the confidence building, you know, we're, we're taking so much that ego of I've got to tap, tap, tap. I've got to do well. It, this is, I'm this rank. They're this rank. And I've got to tap. It's it's not about that. It's really about confidence building. So if you, even if you are an adult, let's say you're struggling with your confidence in your own jujitsu class, go to a kid's class and just be there. You mm-hmm. know, if you're, I think it's like blue belt or higher, or even if you are a white belt, talk to you know the kids coach, someone who's over the kids program, and see if maybe, maybe at least once you've got like a stripe or two. Yes. So that you, one, know what you're looking at, because sometimes even before, like, even if you've been doing jiu-jitsu a little bit, but you have, I'm not saying, like, you haven't gotten stripes yet, because I know some gyms don't, but if you haven't been there long enough to understand some things, when you watch other classes, it's still going over your head. Like, you're not picking up on how each person's doing, how each person adapts technique. So, I was actually weightlifting this morning, and... You know, I'm a perfectionist, and I do, like, kind of self-appreciation, where I'm like, yeah. man, that sucked. My coach sat down beside me, and there was somebody newer on a far platform, and he was just like, I don't like how you talk about yourself. He was like, You're, he was like, here, sit with me. He patted the seat beside me, because he could tell I was frustrated. And he was like, I don't like how you talk about yourself. He was just like, I need you to do these small improvements. He's like, it may not be the best, it may not be what you want to do, but it's still an improvement. Mm-hmm. He's like, and you're still new at this. And then he's like, I want you to watch this person over here. It was one of their first times there. And he was like, is that a great form? No. But is it the best they've ever done? Probably. Mm-hmm. And he was like, and that's a win. 
And it was also, like, a younger individual. So the whole time I was like, okay, I understand. Like, I've... Because, you know, thinking everything for jujitsu. And then it made me reflect being like, you know, how often do some of these kids and teens watch us as adults in our classes constantly, like, putting ourselves down? Mm -hmm. Because at some point, all of these kids are fearless. Yeah. And then it gets to a point where all of a sudden it flips. Yeah. And they're not confident at all. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing I can think of is that they see us as adults where we allow our life experience to impact how we feel about ourselves or how we feel about when we do something. Mm -hmm. And that starts to impact them, you know? So half of it is they're watching you. They're seeing you. Yeah. So whenever you make a comment, whenever you talk about yourself, whenever you talk about other people... Especially when the kids' class is going in and out, they hear that. They see that. They yeah. know that. They feel that. Yeah. So it's it's up to us to make sure that they have good role models. Yeah. Oh, I agree 100%. Um, and this is definitely something we can really get into with the people that, like, actually coach our kids. Yeah. But as people who have trained with the kids or, yes, like, I'll go help a kids' class, one, because I want to... It's fun. Sometimes I need a break from the seriousness of adult class in my own training. And to, I don't know <laughs> where my thoughts were going with this, but or um, but going to actually help these kids get better at jujitsu. And just to get out of that sense of, you know, I have to tap everyone I, ha- I need to train with. But it's part of that getting better uh, the one... One percent. Yes. Just get one percent better every single day. It's part of that. I think a lot of that is what can I do to better myself today? I think a lot of it's also going to be self-reflection. So like especially for us adults, it's why do you feel the need to tap them out? You know, there's something deeper Mm -hmm. than just like I need to be the best. All right, well, you're just being a dick. Yeah. Because there's sometimes where, like, for example, you've got the people who want to compete, and then you've got hobbyists. Hobbyists don't give a fuck, and they don't want to roll hard all the yeah. time. But if you're sitting there like, well, I want to do this, so I'm going to roll hard. Well, now you're just being a dick training partner mm-hmm. if you're not accepting what's being given to you. So, like, if I communicate with you, say, like, you want to go hard that day, and I don't know that, and I'm like, hey, like, I'm just, I'm not feeling it today, and you don't respect that and you want to go hard, mm-hmm. then we have a conflict. Yeah. Then there's more ego where it's like you still feel the need to do that. Yeah. If I communicate with you, hey, I need to go lighter today, and you're like, well, I actually have this competition coming up. I was hoping for harder rolls today. Yeah, that's fine. You know, like now we've communicated our mm-hmm. needs with one another, and it's maybe I'm not the partner for you. Yeah. So it's not like you need to beat the hell out of me and be like, well, I'm here for this. No, that's ego. This is we've had communication, yeah, and we've expressed our needs and where we're at, and now we can find partners to do that with. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of ego, honestly, is you are not communicating what you either need to work on or how you need to roll. Because some ego comes out where it's like a lower rank come out, comes out ball, like balls to the wall, and an upper rank feels like they need to put them in their place, quote unquote. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you have the, those like two different conflicting egos. Yes, because it's one thing to be an upper rank and rolling with, like, a brand new person or someone who's spazzy and wants to go balls to the wall, putting them in their place to be like, hey, like, check yourself, check yourself. But sometimes I think instead of the ego, it can be a safety issue Mm -hmm. 
too, like for me, we, we've had this discussion yeah. where it's, if I'm an upper rank and I'm rolling with a brand new guy, I see the way he looks at me and I'm... I'm not, I'm immediately not going to put up with their shit to where mm-hmm. I have, it, and it's not an ego thing for me. It's not, oh, I hate girls have to beat up boys or anything like that. It's like, no, you're going to learn that you don't get to come in here and disrespect the mm-hmm. women or you feel like you have to beat up women because you don't want to get beat up by a girl, which is a whole different. It makes me think of the one day, I didn't know that this was this person's first day, David Suarez, that he told me that it was his first yeah. day. He told me somebody else's was brand new. Didn't tell me, like, that this person was brand, brand new. Yeah. We start rolling. Of course, the person, his first day, come to find out it's his first day, it's on a roll day. Mm-hmm. Very first thing he does is, like, slap me in the face. And you know how I feel about that. And so I just continuously just submit him over and over and over again, like, you're not going to do this shit to me mm-hmm. and get away with it. Yeah. And you could tell he was upset afterwards, being like, well, what, why did this experienced person have to do this kind yeah. of deal? And it's just like, that wasn't ego. Yeah. That was, you're not going to do shit. Yeah. I personally don't, like, didn't care. It wasn't like, oh, I have to, I have to beat them up to feel better about myself. Yeah. No, it was, uh, I'm going to beat the fuck out of you so that you don't do the stupid shit. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes you've got to show them, like, you can't get away with this. You want, like, you can't get away with this. And it's, there's another part of this, too. That I wanted to go into because I think it's important. For me, I know that if I want to get better at jujitsu, I have to seek out people who are already better than me. One of the reasons I train with you. One of the reasons I train with Charlie. And I talked to the kids about this today because sometimes they roll with each other and they get really frustrated and angry. And it, it happens in, with adults too. They're rolling with each other and they're trying to beat each other and have to win and I told the kids today after Cody was done talking to them he says is there anything you want to add and I said yes you know I talked about going into their first tournaments or just going to compete I told them if you do your best everyone's still going to be super proud of you for going out there and doing this you're still so young and brand new to jujitsu that you have to start somewhere but then I also went into the fact that I always train with people who are better than me I said I always train with coach Charlesy and Coach Keeley that was there that day, I say, I always train with them, and they always beat me, but it always makes me better. And I say, we go out, you know, I said, we'll be in the gym, we beat each other up, and then we go to tournaments and we support each other and, you know, cheer for each other, and I think that's super important. When it comes to the gym, and it comes to adults, even if I, there are people there that I know can submit me, or... I don't want to train with them, not because they're better than me, but they have no respect for me as well. They yeah. don't have either respect for me or no consideration about injuring me. You know, there are things where I'm like, we don't even talk about certain submissions mm-hmm. that are legal or not. And I know you've had this issue too, where like... More so a, lately than anything. If a person is going for some sort of leg lock that you are not, they are not allowed to do and neither are you, those submissions should not be done unless you verbally said, hey, is like You've communicated. Yeah, and which you've talked about. Communication is the big part of that, that ego. If you don't have that, then this is where we get frustrated with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, we have problems and we don't want to roll or well, that, whatever it is. I know some people have probably thought 
in cases like, for example, recently with the white belt, got hurt mm-hmm. and was upset with myself, needed to walk yeah. away. I know looking back, it could have been perceived as, oh, well, she had an ego yeah. because she didn't submit a white belt or she tapped yeah. to a white belt. That wasn't it. Personally, it was I was upset because in my mind I was like I should be able to keep myself safe. Yeah. It wasn't even I tapped to a white belt. Yeah. If it's a technical tap, it's technical tap, no yeah. matter who it is. You know, especially like we've got D one wrestlers coming in a white belt. Yeah. You know, they have experience. It's not like they're coming from nothing. So, it's not the tap, but it's just like, in like the feeling of can I keep myself safe? Mm-hmm. And some people from the outside can see it as like, oh, they were upset that so-and-so tapped them out. And it's like, yeah. actually, no, there's more mental stuff going on than you actually know about it. Yeah. And for me, it was like, oh, I wasn't able to keep myself safe and ended up having like re-injuring my neck because of yeah. it, you know? And so it was like, there was more going on, but I also reflect being like thinking back on it, making like being able to categorize, be like, was there any ego in that? Or was mm-hmm. it from these yeah. Like these things. So in order to check your ego, you really have to know where you are at yourself. Yeah. Know this is how I roll or this is how I feel when I roll when it's I'm checking someone. This is how I feel in my mental status when I'm putting someone in their place. Mm-hmm. You know, I can categorize how I feel during those situations versus how I feel when an ego does play a little bit. I, I've acknowledged that. I call it, especially for newer colored belts... The territorial blue belt phase, everyone has it, especially girls. Yeah. There's a phase where you think you are unbeatable and you feel, especially if you're like one of the few women in your gym and -hmm. you're like the only colored belt, you automatically are like, I'm the mat enforcer, I'm the female mat enforcer, I have to be able to do this. Yeah. And anyone that walks in the doors, especially other women, Mm -hmm. you feel like you have to dominate them. Yeah. It's a phase everyone goes through. And then you reach a phase where you're like, I don't give one fuck. Yeah. If you're a dick, I'm going to deal with it. <laughs> but I don't give a fuck if you tap me. It's, it's, you have to go through that territorial phase to get to the I don't care anymore phase. Well. And it's not even phase. It's just like the rest of the time you're like, I don't care. Yeah. And let me ask you this. And I know this will be a good question when we talk to more black belts, especially like female black belts. But I think if you want to be a competitor, it changes. Because you do have a certain level of ego as a competitor, right? We compete for whatever reasons. Sometimes we do need that ego boost by winning a tournament. But when you compete, I think your goals shift and things shift in the gym. So when you have people, let's say they get you in bad positions all the time, right? And you get stuck there. Rolling with those specific people... And trying to get out of those positions because of competition, right? So you don't tap to every role. Sometimes it's what are my goals for every role in this training session? Am I trying to make sure I get up on points the entire time? Am I going for certain submissions? Do Mm -hmm. I just want to get out of everyone's side control? Do I let them pass my guard so I can work on side control escapes? I think there's a shift that happens, and I think that's why I had a big mental change this week. Mm-hmm. And I, I've been rolling with more people that feel like the people I compete against. So when they're catching me and stuff, I'm thinking, oh, this is good. Okay, 
I cannot get here. Or if I'm slacking and I'm getting tired and they catch me in a submission, they did the right thing. Mm -hmm. So I would love to say that each class, I'm like, I want to work on this. And that's not true. I've talked to some people where they really do stick with it. Even the days where I'm like, today I'm getting in this position on everybody I roll with. It'll happen 75% of the time. Because then you're going to get roles with people where is that position safe for you? Like if you're going against a larger individual, if you're still... So if you're still working on something, like you know I've been loving leg entanglements lately. Mm -hmm. I know that until my leg entanglement game is on par, I am in a lot of danger of getting smashed. So especially with some of like the bigger guys that don't know how to roll with me very well, I'm not going to open myself up by getting into leg entanglement positions to the point at which I cannot protect myself. Yeah. So that's why I say it's honestly like 75% of the time because if there's some things you want to work on, it's not going to be ideal for all people that you roll with. Mm -hmm. Or it might also be you're going with somebody very new some of these leg entanglements I'm setting up with the purpose to be able to expose heels. You start setting up a leg entanglement, even though you personally know you're not attacking, they start freaking out on you, mm -hmm. and they make a big deal out of it. I know for some, I've just gotten in the position, like, let's take um, that rolling with a couple women, like, weekend before last. And my goal the whole time was... I'm just going to get into these leg entanglements and work on maintenance and control. I'm not going to touch anything. I'm not going to attack anything. And some of them w were, like, freaking out immediately upon me entering into any of the leg entanglements. So it was like, I need to go to something a little bit simpler just so that you don't freak out or that you're doing something in the role. Because so many of them were just freezing. And I'm like, this isn't helping me. This isn't helping you. I need to abandon this and go somewhere you are familiar with so we can actually both get work in instead of me just looking at you from saddle. Yeah. You know, that's that's not fair to you. If I know I'm not doing submission. Because at one point I had one stop me. I had secondary leg control where I could have set it up for a straight ankle. But I was in saddle. And they were like, am I supposed to tap? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm, I want you to escape. I want to yeah. see your reaction. She's just like, well, I don't know. If, I don't know what to do from here. And was just like, don't want to go. So I was like, okay, we're going to reset somewhere else. You know, or like, we'll reset. We'll start over. Get you into somewhere you do know. So I could identify, all right, half these girls are white belts. I can't get into these leg entanglements because then we're done. Like, y'all, you don't know what's going on. You're just going to be a limp noodle while I move you around. That's not going to help me. So it was more of, let's stay inside control. Let's go to mount. Let's do close guard. Very straightforward stuff so that they would actually move. Mm -hmm. I understand that in the gym, too. Some of the big guys that don't know how to roll well, I'm not going to put myself in a position where I could get hurt. Mm -hmm. Some people who are unfamiliar with the positions, I'm not going to put us in those positions where we won't, we both won't get work. And then also I know which ones are going to freak out and they're going to start crying wolf, hollering, being like, you're not allowed to do that. And it's like, you can get in these positions without going for certain submissions. Mm -hmm. Part like that's part of it is like just feeling out, getting to places yeah, and, and controlling and maintaining. Because if you can't maintain and control in a role, you're not going to actually get the submission. Yeah. So, I know, like, we've talked about with upper ranks especially, they should be doing catch and release anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, because guess what? Majority of the time, they're going to get out of it. Yeah. So what's your next option? Yeah. Well, sometimes I like to roll and not submit anyone because I don't want the roll to end. Do you ever have that happen? I actually told somebody that exact thing the other day. Like, the one where we were in... Yeah. There was another one. Another roll, like, right after that. Yeah. Where... 
I was in the exact same position again because my mind was like, get to this spot in yeah. the same side and everything, same leg control. And they were like, my another one that was like, do I need to tap? And I was like, no, because then it'd end. And they were yeah. like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I want to go from this position. Mm-hmm. If I submit you and you tap, we reset. Yeah. I was like, that that doesn't help me. Yeah. Because you may not get to that exact position again. Or if yeah. something weird happens, mm-hmm. you may, after the roll, you're like, oh, I need to remember this. And then you're like, I don't know exactly where it was until yeah. you roll again. Well, there are two reasons for that. One is you're actually having a very fun roll with someone you like rolling with. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of seeing where you can go. I've had many roles like that where I'm not even looking for a submission. I'm just seeing where we can go. Two, you're rolling with someone you don't want to be rolling with. You want that roll to end. And if you get into a dominant position, let's say mount or back control, somewhere where you can stay there and ride that out mm-hmm. instead of getting them to tap, you're showing, you're like, no, I'm going to control you here because if we have to start all over again, I don't have the energy for that. Oh, I've done that where there's sometimes where I'm like tapping you out. And this was, again, in like the checking them kind of deal. I've had, and you've you've seen a couple where they've pissed me off. It's, okay, I don't roll emotionally. You know that. Yeah. Everybody's like, your face doesn't change, your breathing doesn't change. It shouldn't. You can have intense rolls, but nothing else should change. It's mm-hmm. just, it should be on the same technical level or just like pushing the pace a little bit. Like, your rolling shouldn't change. Yeah. Because that's when you get sloppy. That's when you get hurt. I get annoyed. It's hard to get me, like, I don't get pissed off. I don't get angry. But if I get annoyed, those are the times. And Misty knows a couple that I'm talking about. I will find the clock in the room. I will face your ass towards the clock and make you watch as I don't submit you. But the the clock's ticking away. Mm -hmm. And you know... Oh, I've got to escape. Like, I will hold you there for five minutes facing a clock and just maintain. Yeah. Threaten a little bit just to keep you aware so you don't just, like, sit there. Yeah. I've had people that I haven't even choked them have tapped in a back mount. And I'm like, that doesn't fly. I'm not doing anything to you. Well, I don't know how to get out. Better learn. Yeah. And I'm like, I thought you were this hot shit. You can't get out of back mount? What? I will. Misty knows. I will face you towards a clock. Lately, it hasn't even been back mount or mount. It's been side control. Mm -hmm. Because so many people feel, like, very, very frustrated with side control. Because it's like, I should be able to get out of this. And I've really been working my maintenance. Mm -hmm. So I take that as a challenge. Like, all right, let's point it towards a clock. Because that will honestly force them to work harder to get out of it. So it's helping me more with maintenance in the long run. Because they're fighting even harder. Yeah. Um... On, like, the flip end of that, have you ever been in a role where you want to get out of it so bad? Caitlin Huggins. Caitlin Huggins. She... (laughs) So, she mounted me, and there were four minutes, 32 seconds. This was the most recent one. Oh, yeah. Looked at the clock. I was like, there's only, like, a minute left in this role. I just have to keep fighting and not get submitted. And uh, Caitlin Huggins is phenomenal black belt in Spartanburg. Her and I, it's it's ideal because her and I are the exact same weight. Yeah. We are the same frame. It's wonderful, but her pressure is beautiful. Like, we play two different games. For the same mm-hmm. body weight and body size, it's so funny. We play opposite games. Yeah. That's why I love it. And 
I cl- she's like a little anaconda. You move a little bit, she squeezes a little bit tighter. Mm-hmm. And until you're like, I'm dying. I can't, like, I don't want to be here anymore. Yeah. I looked towards the clock and it said 432. <laughs> and I was like, I have four minutes and 30 seconds that I have to be in uh, this shit. Yeah. I had a roll over the summer and I was dying. Like, I needed water. I needed to breathe. That it was just one of those things where I had been pushing my cardio so much that I was at a point where I needed to get out and away from this person. And it wasn't the person that I was rolling with. It was just like, I cannot tap because I feel like shit. I have got to tap to a legitimate submission. Mm -hmm. So I held my arm out, held my arm out and was moving. And I didn't say anything to where I was like, there's an arm bar. Just take my arm and Mm -hmm. submit me I was like holding that arm out and I'm like please I have to tap to a submission I can't tap to just feeling like shit I was like please just submit me and she couldn't do it and fortunately I was able to push it till the end of the the time but there's even moments like that where I'm like I'm just done I'm tired yeah just tap me out please because I've let that happen to me once when I was I can't remember if I was a white or blue belt. It was Bama grappling, absolute, had just had five matches, no gi, one absolute no gi, and this was against, like, all rank, right? Mm. I was on top of the world, and then I was the first match gi, and it was, like, immediate, and I was exhausted, and I had just gone against somebody, like, tw- like oh, two and a half times my size, and I went back against the girl that I had beat in the first round for no gi, and I was just so exhausted, and at one point... She gets to an arm bar, and I'm gable gripping, and it's one of those, like, I could let her have my arm right now, and I would be done. You are, and I had a full conversation with myself where it was like, you could be done for the day. You already won a belt. I had this nice, pretty, shiny belt. You won your matches today. You won a belt. You did good today. You deserve to, like, you haven't eaten all day. Mm -hmm. You deserve to just go lay down. Yeah. And I turned my head towards her, and I let go of my hands, and I watched her take my arm. Yeah. And that's my biggest regret in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. I told myself from that day where it's like, I don't care how tired I am. I don't care how much, like, I feel like shit. Because in the real world, you don't get to do that. It's like, do or die. Yeah. And like that, like now looking back, it's like, I will never relive that moment. You will fight me for that submission and competition. Like, I'm not just going to give it to you. Yeah. I've had those moments in competition, too, and one was from the beginning of 2020. I had won my first match, and my goal for that day that I had really set these intentions were, one, just win your first match, two, get on the podium. Mm -hmm. Got my first match, went into my second match. And I had already gotten third, so I was like, technically, I reached my goals today. And I didn't cry. So I went with my into my second match, and she got me with an arm bar, and part of me is, could I have pushed myself a little bit more? Could I have stopped that submission? Obviously, I pushed to a certain point where I should have tapped. I, like, front flipped out of, out of the Kimura. 
and that I wouldn't advise that to any white belt. Like, oh yeah, please. no, David was upset about that. Where <laughs> like, he was like, she's gonna just look you at her Logan in the commentary on the video saying, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, <laughs> but she did get me with uh, an arm bar, and I tapped, and it was a really good arm bar. But part of me, I was happy I had achieved the intentions I had set. That was that was good for me. Secondly, could I have pushed a little bit more? What the? We had okay. a we dog have... break into the <laughs> <laughs> No, all doggos are Come on. They broke it. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> Jailbreak. <laughs> Kisa so, was like, hello, everyone. That's funny. Hello, listeners. <laughs> Listen to me. We always have a, a live audience to our Lily's uh, like, what the fuck? Episodes. Here, but anyways. Come here, kitty. I felt that, and then uh, the Orlando Open where I felt like shit, and I was like, you know what? I could just be done right now, and part of me didn't really give up when I wanted to. Yes, I felt like shit, but I went as much as I possibly could. Yeah. And I was semi-okay with that because I had felt like shit, but now going into this year, it's a little bit different. I'm not settling for this is enough, this is good enough. Mm -hmm. It's more of I know what I'm now capable of doing. I can push myself it's one percent like we said it's towing the line it's literally like half the time we're trying to gain confidence to be able to do these things mm -hmm. and the other half we're overconfident yeah and we think we should be able to do more mm -hmm. and that's why jujitsu is so great because it forces you to accept both yeah to know that there are times for both there's places for both and that you will throughout your entire jujitsu career or just life be going back and forth. Yeah. And having to acknowledge that. Yeah. You know, some people are like, no, I'm not overconfident. And it's like, bitch, you yeah. are. Mm -hmm. And other times where it's like, I wish you would gain a little bit more confidence. Like, I wish you would be more confident in your ability where you're at. Because for, like, the level at which you're at, you are good. Mm -hmm. And then, so I think it's like we're underconfident when we first get a belt, especially. Become overconfident. And that's kind of when you're going to be going to the next belt. Well, and I also because it's gonna it's gonna knock you down a little bit. Yeah, and I also think that we set the the bar a little low for ourselves sometimes, because it's like if I achieve just this, it'll be just good enough. Because if I shoot higher and I miss that target, that's gonna make me feel bad about myself, my jujitsu, and I think with all of this, there are things we also need to address, like. A lot of women will be very insecure in this in this sport. Well, they're also insecure in their lives for whatever reason. And this isn't me, you know, being like, "Hey, we're women or we're insecure." It's sometimes we project our insecurities onto our training partners. We project our insecurities onto other people and make a bigger problem of it rather than addressing it and looking inward and saying, "Why do I feel this way? Mm -hmm. Why am I feeling this way?" And I think it's really important that we always seek out people who are better than us with the things we're trying to achieve because if we're already better or the best and we're tapping everybody out, mm -hmm. what's the point of even training? Yeah. Right? But I think these are also good notes. Well, that and people are yeah. probably like, how is not being confident enough going in with ego? And what I mean by that is that 
and we didn't really touch on this, is that sometimes you go with a group of individuals and you feel very beaten down, Mm -hmm. especially in the beginning. And in order to feel better about yourself, you then go to other people that you think you outclass Yeah. to make yourself feel better by beating them down. That's why these are connected. Yeah. Because some people don't acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. Especially like when we've got guys that roll with us, they will go have their ass handed to them by other upper ranks and then they come see a small female and they think that that is their time to feel on top yeah. and like they can just do whatever they want. Yeah. And so they go hard as hell with us. Yeah. And then that puts us in a position where we have to deal with it. Yeah. Because they can't, that's their ego getting in the way where they can't handle getting beaten down that they feel like they have to take it out on somebody else. That's why you can have both moments of underconfidence and ego. <laughs> but the There's dogs are acting up in the, the background. background so, yeah. <laughs> um, I, because we yeah. have that a lot. Yeah. Where people will be beaten down and then they want to feel better about themselves so they will take it out on us. We've watched, like I've watched with you, where a guy has rolled perfectly fine with another guy and then goes balls to the wall with a woman mm-hmm. just so that they can dominate them, so yeah. that they can have some sense of control. I don't know what's going on in your personal life. But I am not at the gym to make you feel better yeah. by allowing you to beat the fuck out of me. I'm not there to be your punching bag. Yeah. I'm there for my personal training. Yeah. And if all you want to do is roll to hurt me, then we're not rolling. Yeah. And there's a side note I want to add to this. And I've talked to David about this. You're going to have people who come into jujitsu who've been abused and who have been bullied and there are two different routes this can take. One, these people are either in jujitsu because of this reason or another reason. They're going to have to overcome obstacles to get through those things that have happened to them and develop a skill. But I will tell you that some of these people don't are at a point in their lives where they're not going to take shit from anybody. And I'm only speaking as a female who's encountered this with men. I know this happens with men as well, but I'm only just going to speak from my perspective because that's the one that I have. I will tell you right now, I will not deal with your ego shit. If you come and you want to physically fucking fight me and prove that you can't get beaten by a girl, I am not the person. I am not the fucking person because I am so sick of that shit. So having that perspective and understanding because I'm like if you think that you're gonna come again uh uh-uh no I am not (laughs) and that's why like if guys come in and they roll with me and David's like okay you're gonna roll with Misty I'm not there to fulfill my ego and just kick your ass to be like oh I beat up a boy it's no I'm gonna show you like I have to also deal with this fact that I'm not taking this shit anymore like you are not allowed to do that and also it's like I don't have anything to prove to you. I don't have yeah. to prove to you. That's one thing that I struggled with for a long time. I don't have to prove to you that I am the belt that I am. Oh, yeah. I don't have to do all this fancy shit to prove that I am. Yeah. I don't have to submit you in the first 30 seconds to prove that I am at upper rank. There... And I've, str- I've struggled. Even today I struggle with that because mm-hmm. in my mind I think that it's like I have to be able to do these things, but you don't. And it's like I kept myself safe. Or I didn't allow you to get on top of me mm-hmm. and just manhandle me. To me, that is my rank. Yeah. Where I'm able to handle those situations now. Yeah. And I think sometimes, too, 
you know, if we are having, if we're off mentally, we're having bad days, we're having days where we're insecure, sometimes it does help to like, I think that's one of the reasons I, I help a kids class is because I just have to get away from those pressures and those expectations. Well, that or I've, I finally realized like, so when I rolled with the white belt and I got hurt and it was like, you, you were there when I was very upset about yeah. it. And because in my mind it was like, I'm at this rank, I should be able to handle myself. And so many times where it's like, I feel like people should be more technical than they are. Mm -hmm. And I forget that neck cranks are a thing. I forget that. I forget those things. Yeah. And so thankfully I had Jessica in my corner and I had talked to her. And one of the most important things she said, she was like, you don't have to explain yourself to anyone. She's Mm -hmm. like, you can say no. You don't have to justify why. Yeah. If it's their energy is bad, I can't handle it right now. No. If I know you just want to try and do your egotistical bullshit with me and I don't want to deal with it, no. Yeah. I don't have to justify myself to you when I say no. Yeah. And I think setting your intentions for class. So let's say you see certain people in class, you know, it's a role day or specific training. And you have something where you have to be physically intact. Like letting your coach know if you're like, hey, I cannot roll with some specific people in here or if Mm -hmm. coach already knows you've got a tournament coming up and there are certain people who will more likely injure you than not they will i can't i can't tell you the number of times where i'm like hey i've got a competition coming up i cannot get hurt for this and somebody it would be like the thursday night before something happened especially when i was in mississippi this is the night i would get hurt Mm -hmm. so it got to the point where i was like i can no longer train this night because i will always get hurt because somebody will be like oh, you're about to compete, I'm going to go hard. And it's like, no, that's not, that's not the time. Yeah. Like, I've put in my training for this. This is, I'm just making sure I'm warm and coasting right now or that my game plan's together. Like, I'm not here for you to hurt. Yeah. And, yeah, the communication, I think that goes back to communication, Mm -hmm. setting intentions. Self-reflection. Self-reflection, of course. Working with... If I say working with people that are less experienced with you or more experienced with you, finding that line that really works where Mm -hmm. if you're working with people less experienced than you, it's not about your ego. It's about confidence building. Mm -hmm. If you're working with people who are a higher rank than you or better than you with more experience, this is about learning. Mm -hmm. Well, both of them are learning, but I think with a higher rank, it's going to be a little bit more. And (laughs) And also understand like when you roll with higher ranks... It is the opportunity for you to try things, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean go as hard as you possibly fucking can just because you think, oh, well, they're an upper rank. They can handle this. Yeah. You don't know what they're going, like what's going on. They're human. Yeah. Do you think they like being attacked? Yeah. I know I've had some people where they're very shy with me and I'm like, you can try with me. Mm-hmm. I'm this. I'm the person you're supposed to be able to try things with. Yeah. Where I'm not gonna hurt you. Feel free to try things. Feel free to try for submissions. Where I've had to encourage people to, and then other people, I'm like, I'm not here mm-hmm. for you to try and prove your dick size. Yeah. And that goes for girls too. Oh, oh. Um, like yeah, I said, it does. territorial blue belt female phase. I mean, hell, I had one. We were rolling in the gi. Was at a different like somebody else's gym. Rolling in the gi. Couldn't pass, and then she dives for a toehold in the gi, and I'm looking at her like, one, this is really shitty toehold. 
Two, you don't want to open that can of worms. Yeah. Like, if you if you want to start hunting for some of these submissions, like, I've had one at, at our gym that I didn't know we were going for leg locks and knees. Mm-hmm. And, it, again, it was in the gi. In the gi. And she's diving for knee bars. And I'm like, bet. Like, if, the second somebody touches something, I won't do it first. Yeah. But if you start touching for it and you're a lower rank, I hope you know what can of worms you just opened. Yeah. Or some of like the day one guys that are jumping at my feet and I'm like, you don't fucking know leg locks. You yeah. do you really want to go there with me? We can yeah. go there. <laughs> well, and another one is stand up. If you're trying takedowns, I have a select group of people I will really try takedowns with. Where I will try mm-hmm. taking a shot. I'll try, you know, going for single legs and I will actually attempt trying to take them down to the ground versus pulling guard. And I have those people in my mind where I'm like, hey, I'm going to work some stand. I I don't even verbalize that, but it's like, let's say we're rolling with Caitlin. I'll work stand-up. I will do the stuff Caitlin has taught me. I will attempt it on Caitlin. Is she going to shut it down? Of course she is. But sometimes Mm -hmm. she's encouraging and letting me get there without... You know, so, now that you say it, I didn't realize I do it until just now. It's the first time rolling with some people. If I get the vibe that I, it's like I'm either going to have to play safe or be aggressive, I don't stand up with you. Mm-hmm. I, and it, not even like the bigger people. Like if I get the feeling, because guard is my, is my go-to, mm-hmm. you know. Even if I feel like I'm going to end up coming up, I'll go ahead and set up a guard sweep and then come up and then try to pressure pass yeah. or over under. You know, but I go to my go-to. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize until you said it where I'm, like, thinking of, like, the people that if I get a vibe where it's, like, they're just going to try and hurt me, I don't start standing. Yes. I start from the ground because I want to be the first to engage in the guard. I want to protect myself. I don't want you to throw me in a position and me be in a bad spot to, for, to begin with. Oh, 100%. And some people are like, oh, well, don't you think that's, like, cheating because you won't stand up with them if you know what you're doing? The couple of times I had done stand-up against people who didn't really know what they were doing, I do more judo. Yeah. You know, I can't launch a newbie Yeah. safely. Uh-huh. Like, even, like, the times that I've slowed it down, they've tried to take advantage of that, and then yeah. it's everybody just kind of tumbles and get Like, I'm trying to avoid injury. Yeah. If I know that really it's more experienced white belts, that's when I'll start doing stand-up with you. But if you're newer, unless it's like we go somewhere and you're experienced and I've gotten the vibe where it's stand up with this person, we're going to be very technical or it's a competition. Yeah. But if we're in our home gym and somebody new comes up, I'm not going to start up with you. No, I'm not. Because no. the last time I started up with somebody that was new, they were like hollering, screaming. <laughs> and... It just wasn't a fun experience all the way around. <laughs> I launched them at one point. Uh, I sprawled and their hit, face hit the mat at another point. Yeah. So it's just, we don't, nobody's going to learn from that. No. Nobody. And that's, well, it's okay, too, if you don't want to do takedowns with someone, work on your guard pulls. Work on having guard pulled on you. Work on someone taking you down. Like, I, that's why I said there are select people, because you can also get your ankles and parts of your legs hurt when you are doing stand-up with people and stand-up with people who don't know what they're doing. Like, I would rather go up against a wrestler who I've been training with and try and do double leg, single leg. Now, here's the thing. Do all if, that I, if I know somebody has previous experience, 
where it's like, all right, game, let's go. That's different. Yeah. But if I know somebody who doesn't know how to correctly do things, and that's when we can... The person who's going to injure you the most are people who know the least. Yeah. If you... I've seen on, like, some of the grappling networks where they're like, yeah, this upper rank hurt me, and it's like, maybe reconsider the gym that you're at. Because the... The closer to black belt, the safer the role should be because yes. they know better. When yeah. I get hurt, it's with lower ranks who don't know. Yeah. So John or Dana- spaz the fuck out. John Danahart had a post last night on Instagram that said, white belts with good intentions, something along the lines of more white belts with good intentions have caused more injuries than black belts with bad intentions. Yes. And we've all been the spazzy white belt. We've all been the that like that, and that's why we're all learning. But you really have to judge the situation. So, and it all go, ties back into ego. Because if you're like, I'm gonna try this double leg on this purple belt, this blue belt. Like I'm just gonna go for this. And if they sprawl on you, they sprawl on you. Because that's also what we learn. If someone's going for a I, double leg, I, I crack up. So, I'm thinking of an instance with a blue belt female. Knows I play a particular guard, uh-huh. or that I use it as a transition. I love I love doing shin on shin stuff as mm-hmm. a transition, and you know, especially doing leg entanglements lately. I've really yeah. I've really enjoyed it. I've re- I've really been working on this for a while now. Yeah. First time rolling with this person in an extended period of time, and they tried to do a very shitty shin on shin to me. And it's one of those, like, how could you possibly think this works against somebody who does this all the time? Like, I commend you for trying, but don't be upset when I shut it down. Like, this person was very upset and frustrated that they couldn't do something to me. And it's like, but you're playing the game that I do. Yeah. I know that game. I know how to shut it down because I know how I am shut down. Yeah. So it's like, don't take offense when something doesn't work if you know that person does that all the time. Yeah. You know, they are the ones that are going to help you the most and hurt you the most because, and I mean hurt in a mental sense and like emotional because they will shut you down, but they can help you because they can correct you. So don't be upset with them when they shut something down because they know how to do it. That's good. That's an opportunity for you to be like, what did I do wrong? And Mm -hmm. they can tell you exactly what to work on. Well, and another thing is if you get caught in something or if someone does something new to you, that you've never seen or had done to you, it, I feel like it's okay to stop and ask and say, what the fuck is this? What was that? <laughs> Can you show that to me? Like, I do that all the time. Yeah. Where someone will submit me with, like, a certain armbar, and I'm like, hey, can you show me that armbar mm-hmm. that you got me with? And they're like, yeah, sure, you know? And then we go, let's say we tap, or, or we slap hands, bump fists, and go for another round, then I'm like, I'm going to try it, or they're like, here it is, like, it's open right here, and I'm like, okay, I see it. Uh-huh. But the communication is such a big part, especially when we're dealing with wanting to boost our confidence and deflate our ego when we're trying to learn and we're trying to grow. It's so important to ask questions. You don't know everything when you've been doing this for a couple of years. Like, there's a lot of, I think, blue belts get so in their head, and their egos get so inflated. Like, it changes from that white belt ego to... I don't know anything, but I got to prove myself somehow. Mm. I got to feel like I belong when, no, you don't know what you're doing, first of all. And then you become a blue belt. You're like, yeah, I've got some experience. I know everything. I really do. But you don't. You don't know shit. It, yeah. You still don't know shit. Well, it's, it's all, <laughs> all blue belts hit where 
they can now identify things and they think they've learned it. Because, I mean, everybody everybody goes through this. Yeah. I mean, everybody. Yeah. I've seen you go through this. Yeah. Because part of me has, like, off to the side, David and I have snickered a little bit. Where we're like, yep, we know exactly where she is. <laughs> In terms of being like, I know, like, I know everything that's happening. I yeah. know it. Yeah. But stuff still isn't working. And then once you realize, oh, the reason it's not working is because I still actually don't know. Yeah. Once that realization happens, then you're kind of on to the next phase. Well, it feels like there's, there's... It's growing pains. It feels like there are so many phases of, hey, I know a lot. I know jujitsu too. I don't know shit. Yeah. And then you're like, I know what I'm doing now. I, I get this. I understand what's going on. Wait a minute. I don't, I I don't know, know anything. Anymore. And it's, you're riding this weird roller coaster... And I love watching... And then the ego is on top of that. Sometimes the people who have the most ego don't know jack shit. Yeah. But they are like, I'm going to make it work anyway. But one thing I really want to point out too with black belts that I love seeing is going to seminars where black belts are asking questions. That's been some of the nicest things. Or like whenever black belts are asking other black belts questions, Mm -hmm. seeing what kind of questions... And seeing that they're human yeah. has been the most amazing thing to realize. Like, they acknowledge that you're constantly learning. No matter, like, you're not settling. You're not becoming stagnant. You're always learning. You're always adapting. I mean, jujitsu is, there's positions and submissions constantly being created. And people yeah. are finding themselves that things work or don't work. And you're figuring out what works for you or what you have to adjust for different body types, for different weights, for different, like, flexibility level, etc. You're acknowledging that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, like, a good point for us to end on because I got a super fight tonight. (laughs) And I was trying to to keep myself busy. And I'm really glad we recorded this episode because I think it's really good. I think a lot of people can have some takeaways from it. Things like... What can you do to actually boost your confidence when you're feeling low? Addressing your own insecurities, your own ego. And that's all part of the growth within the sport along with, you know, the actual skill development. Well, and especially applying it to working with kids, working with teens, in that you have to check your ego because for them it's not ego. For Mm -hmm. them it's they're going through developmental stages. You don't know why some of these kids are training yeah. You don't know what they deal with, even adults. You don't know what they deal with outside of the gym. You only know that person inside the gym and what's going on, unless you have a close relationship with them, right? Yeah. So you can't expect that they can handle certain things. Yeah. You can't. You can't assume. Yeah. So it's all about making sure that at the end of the day, any kid or teen that you work with, I don't care how you feel. You could have a super shitty day. You ensure that when they walk off the mat, they feel achieved. Yes. They feel like they did something. They feel like they accomplished something. Yeah. No matter how small, a child should never leave the mats questioning their worth. Because there's one thing I want to add to that. These kids are going to grow up. Some of these kids are going to be transitioning into your adult class, and they're going to be whooping your ass. So they will remember these things. And, yeah. So, I appreciate y'all listening to this episode. Thanks. And we'll talk to you next time. Sounds good. Hey, bye. Bye.